This week on the Totally Biased Media Podcast, we talk about the Black Widow, discuss the biggest mistake of Matt Damon's entire life, Nintendo announces a video gaming revolution, and more. Stay tuned for another Totally Spies episode of TBM. I'm Jackson Walkup, and it really do be like Budapest all over again. I'm Jason Simmons, and there's nothing worse than seeing a young widow. I'm Jordan Walkup, and there's a man who leads a life of danger. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. Oh, with every move he makes, another chance he takes. The odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen... We are, of course, talking about the new hit from Marvel Studios and Disney, Black Widow. It is the twenty what twenty sixth movie. Is that where we're at now? I don't even know at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in the twenties range. This movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this time we're taking a step into the past. Which, yeah, we've done a bunch of times before. But this time, we're only going a couple years in the past to learn about what was happening to Black Widow between going on the run at the end of Civil War and being a superhero again in Infinity War. But basically, there is an army of Black Widow-type soldiers out there that can be sent to kill political leaders or stop or cause uprisings in different nations and can just cause untold damage to all sorts of people across the globe and this is all happening totally in secrecy and the widows are being mind controlled so they discover a way to end the mind control so black widow and her family set out to sort of just get back the control of the Widows, and put a stop to the Red Room and all of their operations. So that's where we're at with the general story. But Jason, why don't you kick us off? How was Black Widow? Black Widow was all right. <laughs> Too true. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I mean, I think it has its issues, but I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. I didn't find it particularly captivating for a decent portion of the movie and i know the rest of the marvel movies aren't exactly scorsese films but i don't know this one just felt a little empty it kind of felt like two different movies just kind of stitched together um where a lot of the scenes i I don't know they felt like completely different tonally in a weird way uh, like, you'd have conversations between characters that seemed pretty, like, interesting, and they'd be broken up with, like, weird comedy bits. Uh, and then there'd be the action scenes, which were <laughs> a 
it just it was just a lot of weird tonal shifts throughout the whole movie between like super serious and like trying to be serious but still trying to throw in too many jokes this is really the marvel movie that for me at least felt the most forced with a lot of its comedy um because i mean obviously comedy's been a big part of the mcu since the very beginning i mean what's that they're always saying about iron man one that it didn't even have a script (laughs) i thought i think that the comedy and kind of the the natural way of speaking between characters that was established in iron man has pretty well held over throughout the MCU so far. In this movie, it, it felt really weird tonally. <laughs> now, before we get too far into all this, Jackson, sort of, what are your thoughts like overall before we start diving into the the specifics? I mean, I'll I agree with Jason on most of what he just said. It. It is kind of a weird movie because, like, you know, action scenes just kind of take over sometimes. And there's a lot of times where things seem like they should be more serious than, you know, the writing or the script or whatever is letting it be. But I think for the most part, I... Ugh completely lost my train of thought <laughs> this is a good movie for that i think that it was just sort of i mean it was fine like it is a competent story it fits in the mcu well but it just doesn't do anything especially great or anything unique or that really sets it apart from the other 20 plus movies in this series and i think jason's right i think this is not just in terms of comedy, I think this is probably the most forced movie in the MCU period. I think this is the one that is the least necessary, and you know, and part of me was actually excited about that fact. Like this was going to be a self-contained story that you didn't need to have a ton of background on, or that didn't have a whole lot of setup for future things like i i think having more self-contained stories in the mcu is actually a really good idea i just don't think this did that in a memorable way that kind of leads into my biggest problem with the movie is that this movie should have came out a lot sooner than it did and i don't mean like it should have came out a year ago when it was supposed to i mean like it should have came out before even civil war came out because the biggest problem with this movie is that you learn a bunch of new stuff about Natasha and her life before the Avengers, but it comes out after the movie she dies in. So none of this stuff is really that important anymore, besides what it's setting up for future things, which don't involve Black Widow that much. Plus, it also kind of takes away from Black Widow's death in Endgame, because one of the main reasons she lets herself be sacrificed for the Soul Stone instead of Hawkeye is that she doesn't have a family to get back to when he does. And the whole thing about this movie is her reconnecting with her old family and also realizing the Avengers are her fa- her family too. So it kind of takes away from that ending, in my opinion. I can get behind that last point. Um, I definitely think that character exploration is something the MCU needs more of. And this Absolutely. movie did pretty well at kind of uh, expanding on Black Widow as a character. I mean... 
almost all of the characters in the Avengers are... <laughs> Sorry, let me rephrase that. Black Widow and Hawkeye are very, very flat characters in comparison to the rest of the Avengers. Yeah. And the more expansion that those two characters can kind of get, I think will make them more compelling and like more interesting to watch on rewatches. And just because they're not going to be in future movies doesn't really matter. Because the point of this movie was not to set up things in the future. There's a post credit scene that still does that. But the point of the movie was to explore the character of Black Widow. Be like, what led Black Widow to make the decision she did? And then how is she going to pay for her decisions that she's made in her past now? Right. And I just, I feel that should have came before her death in Endgame, though. I, on one hand, I think that there is a very realistic and attainable goal of retroactively giving backstory to characters that didn't have it before. I think that that is something that should be done, and that's something I fully expect they will do more in the future. I just don't think this was an especially good example of that. I think that there are a lot of characters in Marvel that deserve their own movie or their own series or something, but don't necessarily need to contribute to the greater story of what is happening in the Marvel Universe. So I think like this is something that... Like, this movie could have been great, even if it was totally unrelated to everything else happening in the MCU, and it's just, it's just fine, though. Like, it's, like, I enjoyed it all the way through, but not nearly as much as most other recent MCU stuff. I mean, I feel like the movie is at a disadvantage, because the biggest thing it's going to be compared to is Endgame, the last movie in the MCU, which... Endgame was kind of the MCU at its stride. Like, it was the best, uh, I don't know necessarily the best writing, but it was definitely the most movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was the longest. It had the most interesting, like, action scenes. I mean, it had everybody's favorite character um, because every character was in it, so. I think that this movie would have stood to be a little more grounded and a little more spy thriller and a little less action superhero film. Look, honestly, I I complained about some things. I mean, my biggest complaint still is that Florence Pugh kept falling out of her accent, which was kind of funny. Like, anytime she had to say more than just a couple words, she would no longer be speaking with a Russian accent. Uh, At least on, like, certain phrases or words. My biggest complaint with the movie is the ending, honestly, which the ending is very drawn out. I I guess the third act is really my problem. Yeah. Where it's just one of those, the the whole thing in the third act is just like, actually, we're one step ahead of you. And the bad guy is like, well, here's this unexpected thing. And the good guys are just like, actually, I'm one step ahead of you still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. This new information that you just gave me. That I had no possible way of knowing uh, like 10 minutes ago. I actually already knew about that and it's part of my plan. So you're actually an idiot and I win. Bye bye. Yeah, that part was just... I not like you are part. nitpicking and biased. <laughs> I win. Bye bye. Anyways, Jackson. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I thought that... 
the third act had a lot of that stuff where it was just you know you would it would show a scene where the villain's just like yeah i'm gonna step ahead of you and then uh the hero would be like uh actually no and then it would cut to a scene that would have taken place like a few hours earlier in the movie and they're just like okay so actually this villain thinks you don't know this but you do and they did that just too many times (laughs) i think it's fine to do that once yeah (laughs) the fact they just kept going back and doing it it happened at least three times right yeah it was three times i i think Mm -hmm. um yeah it was it was real real weird I think that one of my complaints about this movie, and I don't think is going to matter to a lot of people, especially people that go to superhero movies for the more traditional superhero movie stuff. Um, Like I was saying uh, to you guys yesterday, one of the last movies in the MCU featured Norse gods traveling across time and space and fighting aliens and robots and all kinds of monsters. And also the Hulk was there. And that had more realistic action scenes than this movie did. <laughs> like, everything about the action in this movie, very, like, aesthetically cool, completely insane. There is so much stuff going on in so many different directions, and there's a lot of weird... There's a lot of weird scenes where... uh Black Widow and Yelena are, like, thrown through something or crash into something or just are in horrible, horrible, like, car accidents and things. So many things that should have killed them and just didn't. Well, (laughs) look, for one, I mean, are we going to (laughs) complain about all the Bourne movies for doing the exact same thing? Yeah. At least in these movies, they they are superhuman. Like... They're not Captain America level, but the, all of the widows are genetically mod, uh, genetically engineered to be like indestructible <laughs> killing machines. You know, like I don't yeah. think they're made to be indestructible. I think they're just kind of made to be like peak like awareness and combat ability. But like, I don't think they're genetically engineered to be like physically stronger than someone possibly could be or anything like that. I think Thank there's you, actually Jackson. a lot of inconsistency in that because I think that sometimes it is really painted as if the widows are beyond traditional human ability and then sometimes they're just trained well. And I think that there is sort of a weird... They can't quite come to grips with what they want to do with that, it seems like. So how about that acting? <laughs> um, I mean, I thought it was fine <laughs> yeah i mean like my only real like i already mentioned my only real complaints florence Pugh falling out of the accent um i i think david harbour did quite a bit too but it was less noticeable because his whole character was a caricature anyways yeah uh like he was supposed to be over the top and weird so when he did something weird i just didn't question it uh rachel weiss did really well yeah she was probably the standout actor in this for me too I, I mean, I, I really liked how she did with her role, but I would say Florence Pugh with Yelena was probably the the most well-acted character, besides the falling out of the accent, for the movie, in my opinion. I, was, like, I really liked her character, and probably one of the best parts of the movie, in my opinion. Oh, she was, was really... by far my least favorite character in the movie. 
I thought that her character, like, she's part of my issue with the tone, right? She's lived her entire life as, like, this trained soldier. And then throughout the whole movie, she's the one that's, like, constantly trying to crack jokes and be weird. While also trying to make her, like, the heart of the film. Like, when Black Widow is saying that their family was never real, like, she's super torn up and upset about it. Uh, And then a few minutes later, she's just like... I'm having fun killing people. This is a good time. But not like in some kind of weird sadist way, which would make sense for a trained killer, just in like this weirdly jovial way. I just thought her character was really confusing, honestly. I really didn't mind the juxtaposition of her tone and her demeanor as much as there wasn't a ton of consistency about like what her goal and her values were. She felt like she didn't, she felt like she just didn't have enough. She wasn't grounded enough in real human goals and motivations for her to be on sort of that same level as black widow as a character even though i think she was sort of meant to be a parallel to black widow as a character well it was also really weird because there were some scenes where like she was incredibly excited to be making her own decisions since she had been mind controlled for so long like the scene where she's talking about the vest that she bought for herself but then like moments like that are very few and far between like yeah the rest of the time it's like she doesn't even really care that she was mind controlled like it's weird. Yeah. I I don't know. I just found her character, like... I feel like they should have done more with the things that they brought up. I thought it was weird that the big spy movie felt less like a spy movie than Ant-Man, the comedy heist movie. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my biggest complaints with it, because Black Widow's supposed to be the super spy. There was no spying or espionage or anything like that in this movie... All action sequences were, like, big kind of explosive action sequences. <laughs> like, even, yeah. like, there's a there's a, pi- a prison break sequence early on in the film. And, like, it would have been cool to have, like, a stealthy prison break sequence. But instead, it's like, here's a helicopter that's going to cause an avalanche. Was just a big prison fight instead of, like, an escape mission. Yeah. Which I do think would have fit the style a lot more. This was sort of, this was a weirdly dark storyline to this movie, considering how it still kind of relied on those traditional Marvel, you know, the the quirks, I guess you could say. It still didn't take itself very seriously, and it sort of broke its own rhythm to make jokes and stuff sometimes. But we're dealing with, like, a genuinely darker plot than we have seen in a lot of other marvel properties because even when you have big villains like thanos who you know kills half of all living creatures it's still seen as this like big sweeping hype like super hyped up mega villain move whereas this is like a really corrupt and power hungry guy who is using assassins to go and kill tons and tons of people discreetly with via like mind control and you know manipulating them and some straight up body horror stuff 
Like this is a much more serious story, but it is not delivered as one at all. Comparing it to Civil War, they still put a lot more stock in what it would mean if those super soldiers got loose and were able to go out and do some real damage. And the Widows are really similar, and they're not treated as nearly as much of an overarching threat, even though there's a lot more of them and they're better trained. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Captain America and the Winter Soldier kind of established that the super soldiers are still on a whole nother level. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I just mean like they don't have this they don't have this ability to they don't have a they don't have this option to just completely overwhelm someone with super spies. <laughs> like there's just a lot less of them. It was interesting that he had this like mind control serum um and was just using it to put assassins all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Like he he could have just I don't know, picked a world leader and controlled him with mind control but instead he's just like only girls only assassins and it's also he's a hard villain to understand because he has this incredible power he has this entire army at his disposal but still what he's choosing to do with that is go live in this secluded base and just like chill I mean, presumably he's in, like, the lap of luxury, and also he completely controls everything in the world, so, like... I mean, maybe, but we never really see a detachment between him and the Red Room as a location. I think he... I do think he would have been more threatening if they had shown, like, him exerting his influence over the world. Because he talks about it, like, he says something along the lines of... He can start and end wars. He can, you know, completely destroy the stock market with just, like, a single key press. Like, he talks big game, but he doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just weird that they would have this character who the whole point is they have this incredible amount of influence, and then you just never actually see them do anything with that influence. I guess we should probably say his name since we haven't this time. Uh, this we're specifically referring to uh, Ray Winstone's Drakov. He is sort of the 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 man responsible for it all, <laughs> and the one that is sort of the the widow or sorry Black Widow and Yelena specifically are sort of targeting throughout the story. There is another major character here with the Taskmaster who was sort of advertised as the main villain of the movie what did you guys think of taskmaster as a character i thought the twist ended up being pretty obvious of who taskmaster was but i do like i i thought the new take on taskmaster was pretty interesting because it's it's not uh it's not tony masters uh hence the name taskmaster from the comics like taskmaster usually is it's a brand new character um, I thought Taskmaster was kind of interesting. I mean, the fight scenes were really cool. I don't know if they were using, like, the stunt doubles from other characters, but there were definitely scenes where you could see, like, at one point, he adopted a fighting stance really similar to, uh, like, Black Panther, and, like, pulled claws out and everything. And then other scenes, it seemed like he was kind of doing the stuff that uh, Captain America does. It seemed really cool, like, seeing all the different moves that you see different characters do, like, throughout the MCU, with just one character kind of doing them to show off 
It did kind of suck that Taskmaster only really copied three different characters, being Black Widow, Captain America, and Black Panther. But they do leave some room for Taskmaster to be in other films and shows and stuff later on. So hopefully get to see some cool uh, other fighting styles. It'd be I, I really want to see Taskmaster go up against Spider-Man or something, but... Uh, the stunt double is one of Chris Evans' stunt doubles. Like, the, the person that actually did all the different fight scenes as Taskmaster. So that's kind of cool. I think for me, I, I really liked the role that Taskmaster had in this story. I just don't think nearly enough was done with it. No, definitely not. I think that even if it's going to be a bait and switch where you're trying to show one character as the villain and it's actually someone else pulling the strings, the first one should still be in it a lot more. (laughs) And I think that the Taskmaster really only served as a, you know, a punching bag or I guess whatever the opposite of a punching bag is. (laughs) Um, And they're sort of taken out of the equation in a weird way for most of like, the last act, which I thought was sort of strange. Um, it, it culminates in one really cool fight, but a lot of the movie just doesn't really deliver on enough Taskmaster, in my opinion. Can I make fun of you for saying culminates? Because I think that's kind of funny. Well, <laughs> you know. That feel when you can't decide if you want to say culminate or coalesces, so you say both. But no, I kind of agree. I, like, I thought the fight scene... Uh, with David Harbour's character. I don't know how much we want to get into it. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, I would have liked to have seen more... There wasn't, like, a good final confrontation for Black Widow. It felt very rushed. Like, they spent so much time with just Black Widow sitting in a room talking to, uh, Dracov. And then at the big fight scene was just, like... Nothing. <laughs> I it just it, it was definitely the least interesting fight scene with Taskmaster. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe it was just the fact that a lot of this movie was right in the midst of a pandemic, but I just don't think it delivered on a lot of what it could have been. I I'm sure part of it was also they knew a little too late in the game they wanted to finally give Black Widow her own movie. But they just, they made that decision and got really far into it before they actually thought about what that looked like. I I still think the Black Widow movie, kind of to echo what Jackson said earlier, I, I think it would make more sense for a Black Widow movie to have been released after, like, Iron Man 2, when she was introduced. Yeah. It seems weird to wait so long before expanding on, like, such a major character in the universe. I mean, she was literally the second member of the Avengers to be introduced in the entire MCU. Hey, and third. Third. I get. Oh yeah, Hulk. There's a Hulk solo movie. We just don't talk about it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Speaking of Hulk solo movies, you see that trailer for Shang Chi? Got the abomination in it. Nice. The trailer came on before Black Widow, so this still counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've given the whole thing a better review because we saw that Shang-Chi trailer before it. (laughs) Okay, so last thing I think we need to touch on is sort of, with every Marvel movie, 
this movie sets up some stuff for future films. And a little. <laughs> we won't really get into exactly what that means, but what did you guys think of sort of the quote unquote sequel bait coming out of this one? Like I got three words for you. Julia Louise <laughs> Dreyfus. <sighs> She's back, baby. <laughs> I, We're getting yeah. that Seinfeld sequel we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I think that's what it's going to build up to. You just wait the next movie. She's going to go and get, like, Newman. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't wait for Jerry Seinfeld to join the MCU. Um, yeah. I think that it's sort of... It's an interesting direction. I wasn't expecting it, even though I did... They're building. They're building the Thunderbolts. Yeah, Let's just yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, they're building the Thunderbolts, but none of the Thunderbolts are actually in the MCU. Or if they are, they're all dead. So like, whatever. It's just. Yeah. It's a new team. Well, I'm calling it now. They're building the Thunderbolts. Yeah. Well, and also, <laughs> so I do find it interesting that this movie ends with widows still out there certain people in Black Widow's life still being out there, even though she is not. I think that it's it's weird, because it's stuff that I could see being important in future Marvel properties, but not important enough to merit its, like, own movie or series. So it's it's interesting. I, I don't really know what to expect for the, like, the Widows as a, as a group in the future Marvel stuff. I mean, presumably... At least someone from this movie is going to appear in a future movie. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I mean that's kind of the thing with like prequels and I guess interquels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean like you can't really do anything too drastic to change the status quo, but right. you can introduce new characters that maybe you know have a reason why they weren't there for. A major, you know, stopping a alien invasion. I guess they were busy that day, <laughs> and I guess they also didn't <laughs> want to go the route of like Rogue One, where you introduce a lot of new characters and then you just promptly kill all of them <laughs> so that there is no loose ends. <laughs> so look, I will say, killing everyone in Rogue One was a good idea in that you don't have to worry about people asking for sequels. It was dumb; like it didn't make sense. Like, those characters could just leave and not be part of the main story anymore. <laughs> but yeah. whatever. Yeah. Anyways, that's already a lot of Black Widow talk. So. A lot of low-energy Black Widow talk. <laughs> this movie was fine, y'all. <laughs> if, you like, if you like movies, go see it, I guess. <laughs> if you've liked every other movie in the MCU, you will like this one as well. It doesn't doesn't blow anyone out of the water, but you know it was fine. We said Jackson. there's 26 movies in this in the MCU. It's yeah, at least like top. That. It's at least top 20. <laughs> it's better than Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> okay, Jackson, why don't you kick us off with the the pros and cons and your final score? And like I said, I I thought it was a pretty good movie. It does have a few issues, like, it just, it should have came out earlier. The whole point of this movie being Black Widow finding her family is just kind of useless. Uh, well, not kind of useless, but it takes away from her sacrifice in Endgame. And 
the you know just the fact that this isn't really more of a spy movie and it's more action heavy it just it just doesn't feel like something that should be a black widow movie because she's supposed to be a super spy i i thought it had a an interesting story some interesting twists the the villain was not all there though in the fact that you know trailers kind of hyped it up as taskmaster would be the main villain and i mean there's there's definitely more taskmaster screen time than Drakov, but Drakov isn't really all there. You don't. You, he's not even actually in it until the final act of the movie, and even then, he doesn't do much. But I mean, overall, I I enjoyed it. It had its issues, so I think I'd give it a seven out of ten. When this movie started up, I I thought the intro sequence was pretty interesting. Um, it did a good job of capturing the '80s. It reminded me a lot, honestly, of the intro to E.T. Not not the part in the forest, but the part right after where E.T. like first goes to Elliot's house and all that. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and like kind of a weird thing, a, a weird feeling to bring back to me. Uh, and then in kind of keeping up the trend of taking things from older movies, uh, <laughs> I was telling them earlier that I watched Spider-Man 2 earlier this week, and it has a really long intro scene where it's basically just kind of like a recap of the first movie. Um, And this had something really similar. Instead of a recap of the first movie, it was just like random scenes from throughout uh, Black Widow's life. And I was thinking, though, when I watched it in Spider-Man 2, I was like, I'm glad that they don't do this in movies anymore. And then literally the next day I go see Black Widow, and they do it again. (laughs) And I couldn't stop thinking about that. Uh, (laughs) That said, I mean, like, the movie's well-directed, generally well-acted. I mean, like, I have some minor gripes, but at the end of the day, they didn't really matter. Um, I thought the writing was kind of weak. And I've talked about my main issues with that. Specifically, like, uh, Florence Pugh's character was weirdly written. Uh, and then I do have to say, I liked Red Guardian. Uh, there's this whole, there's multiple scenes, actually, where he brags about all the times that he's, like, gone head-to-head with Captain America. Um, even though I don't think that he got his abilities until after Captain America was already frozen. <laughs> Uh, and I, I found that pretty funny every time it came up. But, I mean, the movie's fine, right? <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna change anyone's life. Um, none of the movies in the MCU will. If you're hoping for that, please seek <laughs> therapy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's alright. It's a fine movie. I, I would, I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch it, uh, eventually. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that implies you have it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope to check it out one day. Anyways, I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Thanks. It's it's weird because <laughs> I watched this movie. I don't know that I really. I have did any... too. Don't, don't don't believe what anyone tells you. I also watched this movie. I don't know that I have any pros or cons. <laughs> like. It's just fine the whole way through. Um, no, that's that's not fair. I I think 
the weird opening sequence aside, it actually starts pretty strong. Like a look at Black Widow's life as a child in this family, which is clearly just, you know, a mission, but that they are still invested in as an actual family. And I think it could have evolved into something really cool from there, but instead it, it jumps around a lot, and there's not a lot of consistency in terms of ideals amongst the characters, or at least the ones it's following. And there's just not... There's not really like a through line that carries this to be a good depiction of Black Widow or of Marvel as a whole. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it overall, but I enjoyed it more for the dumb action movie stuff than any kind of narrative merit or anything that I think it did especially well or... I don't know, it's, just, it's a hard one to talk about because everything about it was just so plain. <laughs> it but, was just so incredibly adequate. Yeah. It did yeah. everything you expect a movie to do. Yeah. It was very <laughs> predictable, which is really like even compared to other Marvel movies, it was very predictable. So, I don't know. It it feels low because I I liked it, but I can't think of like a good reason to give it better than like a 5 out of 10. Like, I can't think of any anything about it that would really... Like, if we want to look at our review system as a bell curve, which I like to do, this is right in the middle. <laughs> like, this movie is at the absolute peak of, yep, it's a movie. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's it. <laughs> when I saw this movie, I felt like I was watching a movie. And that is the only feeling that I got throughout the entire film. <laughs> Okay, well, we've already talked about Black Widow for a real, real long time, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into some of the big news of the last week. Have you ever turned down an opportunity that after the fact you realize you really missed out on? Yeah, because... I was actually offered the lead role in the hit film Avatar by James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> is this similar? <laughs> Nothing to do with that. So there's this new switch. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so this week in an interview, Matt Damon said that he turned down the lead role in the Avatar films because of a scheduling issue. And not only did he turn it down and stop himself from becoming the face of one of the biggest and blandest movies ever made, he turned it down as well as 10% of the total profits of the film. If he would have accepted that role at that rate, it would have been... I think that would have made it the most money any actor has ever made on a single role ever. And he turned it down to being like, I don't know, we bought a zoo or something. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that is just insane. Like... I would get not wanting to be in that movie because of like what it is as a movie, but to know now that it made like two point eight billion dollars and you would have been entitled to well not ten percent of that, but like you would he would have made over a hundred million dollars for that one movie and 
depending on the contract, maybe that much for sequels and stuff too. So like that is crazy that he turned that down. If an Avatar sequel was happening, he would feel really dumb when it came out. <laughs> the good news is that there's never going to be an Avatar sequel, so he's fine in that regard. Avatar is like the vaporware of the movie industry, isn't it? <laughs> like, they keep talking about it, and then it just never goes anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's for the best, though, you know? <laughs> but the way they keep talking about it makes it seem like it's almost done. <laughs> yeah, that it's just out of reach. Like, it's right there. It's coming, we promise. I it's mean, like, Avatar 2 could come out next week. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, three years later, you'll be like, Avatar 2 could come out tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I saw a headline from, t- from 2013 this week that said, Avatar 2 coming in 2014, question mark? <laughs> and I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> It's such a weird series. I do think it would have been improved by Matt Damon, though. I mean, not to say he could have fixed the fact that it was just a garbage movie, but I think he could have at least brought a little more to the movie. He could have brought that signature Matt Damon energy. Was Matt Damon good in 2009? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if Matt Damon's good now. Who am I kidding? I mean, he was in The Martian, right? I like yeah, that. Yeah, he was, he was really good in The Martian. So, For like, some reason, that's the movie I think of when I think of uh, <laughs> Matt Damon nowadays. Um, so, I think he should roll into the Avatar movies, the full-on Boston accent, just, I'm thinking of Mark Wahlberg, never mind, disregard. <laughs> what was the movie that he was in where he played, like, a redneck alongside Alan Tudyk? He's pretty good in that. Sorry, this is also just a cameo. I'm just going by Matt Damon cameo roles. Not, like, main roles. I'm not talking about, like, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. I I don't think Matt Damon's in that movie. Alan Tudyk is, however. I'm realizing now Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg are pretty indistinguishable. Like, you could throw one in front of me and I wouldn't know. I don't know that I could tell you right away which was which. (laughs) Matt Damon was in 30 Rock, and he was great, so. <laughs> On the other hand, um, the other guy, <laughs> Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg, was in uh, a Transformers movie, so that's, that's really, true. uh... He does have that bringing him down. Regardless, though, he passed up over $100 million to not be an Avatar, so, like, sorry, bud. <laughs> you deserve better. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I didn't like Avatar, but I don't know that there's any movie I wouldn't be in for a hundred million dollars. Um, let's not explore that question. <laughs> <laughs> what movie would you be in for a hundred million dollars? Mm, basically, if you, any if you of could them. Pick, if you could pick one movie, if I could be in any movie and make a hundred million dollars for being in it, <laughs> yeah, what movie would it be? <laughs> It's this is the real Sophie's choice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's basically you can be in any movie you want, and also you're going to make a hundred million dollars. It's a tough choice. <laughs> if you, you press know. the button, you get a hundred million dollars. If you don't press the button, you don't get a hundred million dollars. Do you press the button? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. 
If I had to pick one movie that I know would pay me $100 million and I know would be made, it's uh, Blazing Saddles. You couldn't make that movie today. <laughs> <laughs> the internet's told me that, yes. Because <laughs> everyone okay. would be like, this movie's already out. <laughs> Anyways. We love you, Matt Damon. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> Wait. Hey, maybe yeah. maybe you'll I be did. in the next <laughs> Avatar movie, Matt Damon. I and maybe then have... Jordan won't get you, you confused with Mark Wahlberg. And even better before I said that, I did have to go back and check the headline and make sure we were talking about Matt Damon and not Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> well, it's easy to remember because there's not a restaurant called Damon's. That was actually what, that was when I realized I was talking about the wrong thing the first time. I was like, wait, no, it's not Damon Burgers. Mmm. <sighs> <sighs> I gotta go get me some of those yummy, those those, those Matt Tastic Damon burgers. <sighs> God. Okay. Who's your favorite band? Mine's Maddie Matt and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> God. Okay. Well, we got other stuff to talk about. Well, you talking about the big announcement? America's royal family is having a baby. And every American knows who I'm talking about when I say the royal family. That's right. It's Black Widow herself, Scarlett Johansson, and Colin Jost, that guy from SNL that is the less funny of the two. (laughs) And somehow is married to Scarlett Johansson. Well, they got married around when Lucy came out, didn't they? (laughs) Hmm. I guess that would have been a low point. See, for me, I mean, I know it's cliche and it's super obvious, but I just can't think of any family that really encapsulates America from start to finish better than the Kardashians. And I'm not talking about Kim and Chloe and the other one. I'm talking about the older generation. I mean, you got a lawyer up in there, who helped, uh, you know, one of the most notorious men in, in America get away with murder. You have, you know, a transgender icon who is running for office, but has some really, really weirdly conservative values and is actively proposing policies that would hurt other transgender people. You have the mom. I don't really know anything about her. I actually know very little about the Kardashians, but like... I think the mom's the manager. That sounds right. Sounds right. They have a ton of money. We're not sure where it came from, but we keep giving them more. I mean, America through and through and through. Uh, I think we we know where the money came from. Uh, It's been a few years, but it's it's pretty easy to find. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to get into it. That's too lowbrow for this podcast. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I forgot we had standards. (laughs) I hope one day we meet them. (laughs) Like, really, like, I could care less about Scarlett Johansson and Colin Yost having a baby. It's just so weird that someone in, you know, it's not like, it's not like Vulture is, 
you know, the epitome of honest news, but calling them America's royal family is just so weird to me. (laughs) America doesn't even like royal families. (laughs) We're explicitly very mean to the only one we know about. I can't really get a pulse on what is happening in this episode at all. (laughs) Me neither. I don't think there is a pulse. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, let's try and revive it with this last headline <laughs> yeah so you know how we were gonna get that updated switch with you know better graphics better cpu better ram um we're not we're getting an oled screen that's like half an inch bigger that's it <laughs> okay so bare minimum we're at least getting 4k on the tv right no okay like if nothing else better load times nope of course <laughs> no nah. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Is it at least going to be cheaper than the current model? Nope. I forgot. <laughs> um, so I am wrong. It's not just the OLED screen. It has a new dock that has a built-in LAN port. It does get rid of one of the USB ports, but it's there. So my biggest question, you know, the feature I've been hoping that they would add to the Switch forever is, uh, does it have a wide kickstand? It does. <laughs> it does have a wide kickstand. Okay, oh. jokes aside, I just want to point something out about this this whole equation with the Switch. No one plays the Switch like tabletop, right? No one uses the kickstand. And not even because it's bad. It's just, no one does that, right? Hey. Like, have you guys ever done that people, before? There are some people that play 1-2-Switch. Hey, you sound like a real buffoon right now. Haven't you seen the trailers? People are constantly playing basketball games with the Switch on the kickstand. And each person gets one Joy-Con. They're constantly playing games with friends at rooftop parties in New York City explicitly. Because if I were going to a rooftop party in New York City where people were definitely doing coke and nothing else, I would bring my Switch and we would play FIFA. You know... Or basketball. It is. They do show 2K a lot. You know, in a in band camp a few years ago, I brought my Switch, and we would play Smash Bros. during, like, breaks and stuff. I still never used the kickstand. Like, Sorry, can you say that again, but this time proceed it with this one time at band camp? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Wait, if you didn't use the kickstand, what did you do? Oh, just, we like, just... lay it flat? Uh, I, I think when we were outside, we would just lay it on a bag, and then when we were ah. inside, it was on a music stand. Well, it's because it, it constantly falls over on the kickstand. Yeah, the kickstand sucks. It's garbage. And, like, and like I guess this is technically an improvement, because it will fix that, but it will fix something that matters approximately 0.05% of the time. It also brings up something else. Is the kickstand still going to be the only cover for the SD card? <laughs> because the kickstand... Being the only cover for the SD card is the stupidest thing. I mean, what does it matter? If it's open, then the SD card is exposed. So? You don't want that just popping out when you're playing a game. It it can't just pop out. It locks in. If something presses on it and presses it in, it'll come out. Jackson does this weird thing where he strokes his middle and ring finger across the back of the Switch while he plays. And if he just does that the wrong way and hits the SD card, it's going to come out. But the, the, you you wouldn't be holding it. 
You wouldn't be holding it if the <laughs> kickstand is open. I'm not saying from your fingers or anything. What? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I need you to explain to me. I, I honestly don't understand what situation could possibly be coming up where this is an issue. You're telling I, me. I need you to walk no me way. through this step You're by step. Me there's no way that the SD card could get hit by something while the kickstand is out and be pushed out. You're telling yeah. me that can't happen? I mean, I guess I'm not saying it can't happen. But it's not going to. Like, what? It locks into place, and it's kind of hard to even pull out. Like, you need to dig your fingernail into it. So something smooth rubbing against it's not going to do it. You don't need a fingernail for that. You just need the tip of your finger. You're constantly having these issues where snakes keep coming up and biting the switch right at the bottom while the kickstand is open and pulling out the SD card completely ruining your playthrough of the hit game Mario Kart 8 Ultra. Deluxe. Deluxe. (laughs) Mario Kart 8 Ultra Deluxe. I do have this one problem with the current kickstand that I'm glad will be uh, eradicated, but not by Nintendo, by just the passage of time, because my kickstand has this weird problem where every time I let our toddler brother play my Switch, the kickstand is removed. And I just want that to stop, but I don't think that's going to be on Nintendo to fix. So good job, guys. We did it. <laughs> Wait, how does... Like, he pulls it all the way off? Yeah, mine's loose. So I have I have a day one launch model Switch, and it is garbage. Um my kickstand about a year or two after I got the Switch, it now will not stay in place, either closed or open. So it's just, it doesn't take much force and it just comes right off. I mean, it's very easy to pop back on, but ironically, that's probably like my least significant problem with the Switch right now, <laughs> or specifically mechanical problem with the Switch right now. Have you had any issues during that where your SD card comes out? like every time i play it (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) anyways yeah let's just circle back to the switch oled model that sweet sweet name uh as a whole so like here's the problem this offers nothing like this is in no way what fans wanted hey it's got more vibrant colors. I mean, that won't matter because your games aren't going to run better, but... I I don't play in handheld mode. This update literally does nothing for me. The only thing it adds for someone like me who doesn't play in handheld mode is an Ethernet port. But since it takes since it gets rid of a USB port to replace it with the Ethernet port then that doesn't do anything because if i want to get the adapter that uses an ethernet or a usb port anyways now they literally just built the adapter into the dock now that's the only difference for someone like me now i do need to be totally transparent with my intentions on this console the only reason i am criticizing it so much is because i want to buy one (laughs) And I want other people to not buy one so I can more easily buy one. I don't want another PS5 situation. Not because... Like, this is not... If you already have the 
the newer model of Switch with the better battery life and the less frequent disconnection issues, I, there is no reason to upgrade to this model. It just does not exist. For people like me that still have a day one Switch that is in rough shape, um, I, I really want this. But it's also a weird moral quandary because, like, do I give Nintendo 350 more of my US dollars because the last product they made sucked? Probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. That's the American way. Yeah. Really, I should be the American royal family. I can't think of anything more American than paying a foreign company for uh, a replacement for defective goods. Yeah, Switch OLED is a huge mistake. Should not be coming out. Do still plan to buy it. Should not exist. (sighs) Okay. Well, folks, it's been fun, and it's been real, but it hasn't been... Anyways, this is the end of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. We hope that you will reach out to us on Twitter. It might be the end of the whole podcast, not just the episode. I haven't decided yet. We hope oh, you reach okay. out to us on Twitter. At that opens TBMcast. up my weekends, actually. So <laughs> Find us on Twitter at TBMcast, on Instagram at Totally Biased Media. Send us an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Just any thoughts on the show, you know, send us your own reviews for stuff or thoughts on different parts of the show like whatever you want to send us we're we're happy to to engage and you know like reviews and things we'll read on the show so you know drop us a line we'd really appreciate it and uh there's there's a lot of opportunities coming up because we're finally back in the season of actual new release shows and movies and games so you know let us know what you think of that stuff and of us for every comment on this video, we'll make Jackson read one book. Oh, God. <laughs> We're not even sure why. We're just going to do it. So, you know, even if you don't like it, can you at least comment several times? Jackson's illiterate. You might give away our, our real scheme, though, which is that we make Jackson read books, and then we capitalize on his free personal pan pizza that he gets for every five. <laughs> well i didn't think jackson knew about that i wasn't going to talk about it on the podcast oh no i've spoiled our own plans send your comments in i'm getting my pizzas (laughs) okay well signing off of the weirdest episode of the podcast yet i'm jordan walkup i'm jason simmons and i'm jackson walkup and you just felt the bias (laughs) thank you everybody goodbye Podcast time of death, 7, 10, 21, 3.34 p.m.